Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, y'all. Seven Rounds in Heaven is back. We're brought to you by Sports Drink. UT is back, and I ain't talking about Texas. Good old Rocket Top. Woo! It is I, Rob Paul, a.k.a. Sonny Dykes Agent, and it's time to get my man an extension. And with me, as always, is AJ, Lincoln Riley, never wins when it counts, Marchese. Uh, Going to go winless in the SEC, or the Big the SEC, the Big Ten, Rob. Today we're talking all the NFL draft prospects who boomed, doomed, and loomed during week seven of college football. Let's hit it. Seven. 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 Seven rounds in heaven with my baby. Driving out to Casey, maybe. Looking for Stroud or a Bryce Young. Who's going to wear a Hawaiian shirt today? Who's going to put ketchup on a stick? Who's going to find a steal in the fifth? The home team. Let's go seven rounds. Let's go seven rounds together. Let's go seven rounds forever. And that's a song. Today's episode of Seven Rounds in Heaven is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sportsdrink without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not let the funk out. Funk got out this past weekend, didn't it, AJ? No, I thought we kept it in pretty well. That always lands. I'm, I respect your commitment to the bit. Um, Thank you. W- what a what a week of college football, Rob. No one got fired in the NFL or college football. And as someone who loves to see a man lose his job, mm. I'm sure you're upset. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was just like you know going around to locals asking them if they've if they've been fired recently, trying to get that uh you know just that that high that only a man losing his job can get you. I know. Uh, the dopamine hit you hard when you read uh, Bruce Feldman's hot seats. Mm, uh, I loved hot it. Seats list. I loved it. But you hated seeing anyone whose hot seat was lukewarm. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't like that. I, I did like. I'm waiting for Harson to get canned though. That's for sure. Uh, you see those uh, those Auburn Tigers fight back against Ole Miss. Mm, I didn't like to see Brian, it. I didn't like to Brian see Brian Harson's built a culture, baby. <laughs> They finally hired an AD. Brian Harris is going to be fired within like three weeks. Yeah, that, that's for sure. Um, but you know who won't be fired? Josh Hubel. Oh, wow. Spoilers. We haven't gotten – we haven't told the listener yet the Tennessee upset uh, Alabama. Wait, what? They did? 
Uh, I was I was teeing you up for your best freshman. Oh, uh, you know who won't get fired? Lane Kiffin. Yeah, because Quinshawn Judkins is a stud, baby. Yeah, this is we're talking week seven superlatives, baby. Energy. Qu- Quinshawn Judkins has been uh, the best true freshman in the country. I said it. I mean, it, it, it takes it takes a stud to kind of usurp maybe a little bit, not quite Zach Evans, or at least like take that many touches away. I don't know, like how, you know what I or, mean, or 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 keep them that fresh. Yeah, well, for the, for the draft perspective, I think it only helps. But um, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, Junkins had 139, two scores, and a, a seven yard touchdown catch against Auburn. In what was a big time shootout, uh, Ole Miss was dominating them early, and then Auburn kind of came back into it. Game got delayed, and uh, then no one was watching it because Alabama and Tennessee were playing. But uh, <laughs> Ole Miss ended up holding on. Um, but yeah, both both. I mean, we'll get to Zach Evans probably. Or I'll mention him in a bit. But um, Junkins was once again. He's kind of. We we've talked about Lane Kiffin's ability to when he's got a playmaker, ensure that guy is the mm-hmm. focal point of the offense. And they've done that with Evans and Junkins. And I just think the most impressive thing about Junkins is he was not some top 100 recruit. He wasn't even a four-star recruit. He's a three-star from, I believe, Alabama. And the fact he's hit the ground running so fast in the SEC is just so impressive. And, uh, I mean, the Athletic put out their um, – like halfway point all freshman team or whatever today, and like half the guys are redshirt freshmen. Cheating, uh, uh, which is cheating, yes. Uh, but Junkins it is obviously a true freshman, and I actually forgot that they brought in Ulysses uh, Gilbert ben- Bentley as oh, well yeah, Ulysses from SMU, Gilbert, yeah. who who has some NFL love, and he just totally took his job yeah. as that kind of compliment to Evans. Or maybe now Evans the compliment to Junkins. And yeah. it's just every week he, he's ripping off these chunk runs. He's such a physical um, but twitched up runner. Mm-hmm. It just feels like the next three years he's just going to be one of the, the biggest names in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, and again, just as as a three-star doing that is just ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. Have we, have we ever seen someone, you know, that not that doubtly highly touted recruit, like, be so good so immediately in the SEC? I don't, I don't, not that I can remember. I'm no SEC historian. No. Why am I doing so this podcast I'll, with you then? I don't know. If, if if you asked me about the Mac, I could have had an answer. But Yeah, Ulysses Gilbert. Ulysses Gilbert, who came from SMU. But... Or wait, no, now you got me confused. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Gilbert's a Mac man. Many, it's not enough. There's too too many, but also too few Ulysses for me to. It's so true. Know what we're talking. It's about. so true. Um, uh, who else you got? <laughs> I I didn't think it was like a fantastic freshman week. I Junkins was the highlight. I put uh, Clemson's Antonio Williams, the the wide receiver, who had that long touchdown. I think it was 59 yards, two catches, 76 yards total in that touchdown. Um, that's another game that I think a lot of people turned off and switched to uh, USC, um, Utah. And then Florida State kind of just snuck back into it, but uh, Clemson kind of just controlled that one. Well, and Clemson's not kind of had that dominant force at wide receiver yeah. in a while after putting out so many. Um, I, I think you could say reasonably T. Higgins was the last one that year he was – 
a junior and Justin Ross was a true freshman. Obviously, Justin Ross's career after that yeah. took a turn. But um, for them to kind of finally fi- potentially find someone – or this receiver core as a whole seems a lot better this it year. It does, yeah. From last year. Um, and, and Williams just looked kind of like a a dynamic deep threat. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Who else you got for a freshman? I my only other one is Dane Key, the Kentucky receiver, who's quietly been. First of all, Kentucky around Will Levis had to replace so much this off season. Yeah. Um, which was I think part of the reason they've been so inconsistent on offense, especially mm-hmm. when Chris Rodriguez was suspended. Um, but Dane Key really has emerged as that go-to big play threat and. In the win over Mississippi State, he only had a 31-yard catch uh, where he kind of got between Emmanuel Forbes and the safety, and Will Levis laid one out for him. It was a good throw, but it was a better catch, or he kind of had to dive for it. Uh, but on top of that, he, he drew two DPIs where, had he not been interfered with, it, it would have been, like, he probably had would have had over 100 yards. Um, and, and those were big time in, in this game that was a bit of a slog between the mm-hmm. Bulldogs and the Wildcats. Um, and I think without Key making a, a couple key plays, they, they, <laughs> they may not win that because Will Levis had a, a threw a pick six to Forbes late in the game that, that was a, where Forbes just did a fantastic job in jumping the screen. But So, like, every play counted in this. So, drawing those two DPIs was super important. Do you have Will Levis anywhere on this on this episode? No. Can I just say, like, I want to put him for overhyped every single week? Because, like, the hype is growing, but I don't know. He's, he's not doing anything. Um, he I didn't runs, put him there for the, for the matter, but... He, he, they leaned on their best player when it counted in that game, and that was Chris Rodriguez, and I think <laughs> that means something. I think it's so, like how too. last year, Ole Miss would, on, on big key third downs, Ole Miss would have Matt Carell run because he was a better runner than passer. I'll leave it at that. Macro will be starting in Carolina, so if he wasn't hurt. He should be. Uh, best sophomore. I thought there was a lot more sophomores this week. Uh, and, and starting with your guy, Donovan Edwards. Yeah, I think he's the, the headline guy here. Um, I mean, just the whole show from that, that Michigan you know running game um, was pretty dominant. I mean, you think you can pick out anyone there. But obviously for sophomores, it's Donovan Edwards. Uh, 173 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, ripping off the big ones, like you know, he's he's like well built, but he's got you know the juice to finish, and then he's so dynamic in the in the in the receiving game too, which we didn't see too much of. But um, Edwards is so good. I don't know, like it feels like they're gonna be fine when uh, when Corum goes to the draft this year. That what it was, it was the same thing last year with yeah. It felt like when Hassan Haskins was carrying them to the playoff that yeah. without him they'd be okay because Corum had shown so much, and it's just. Their, their offensive line and their running back room are just so deep. Uh, it's nice for a change, Rob. It's nice. It, it must be, AJ. I'm happy for you. I'm, I'm happy that Ohio State's going to get to beat a top five team later this year. Um, how about the, in a losing effort, the Williams bros? Uh, yeah, those are my West next guys. With USC. Caleb Williams in a losing effort threw for 381, five scores, ran for another 57. Mario Williams was kind of the big play threat. Uh, he kept getting loose at, uh, from the slot, kind of just picking up huge gains. Ran for, or 
caught four for 145. Um, in that, that like Jordan Addison was doing all of the dirty work mm-hmm. uh, before he got hurt, and, and Williams was kind of the compliment over the top to that. Um, and again, they lost, but they still hung 42 points on Utah. And Caleb Williams did everything he possibly could have to win that game. Yeah, um, the offense didn't lose him that game. And, and I just want to ask you something, because uh, I, I had seen this. Uh, obviously, um, Texas destroyed Oklahoma two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. People are like, people are going off about how Caleb Williams actually isn't the best quarterback in that, that draft. Like, it's Quinn Ewers. Uh, Caleb Williams is overrated. Quinn Ewers is that dude. And I, I just feel like, um, I don't know, Caleb Williams is, like, such a dynamic athlete who makes everything look so easy. Very similar running style to Kyler Murray, I think, in that it just it almost looks like he's not moving that fast, but he's always picking up major yardage. He's always avoiding big hits. He's very calm and confident. And then as a passer, he, I don't know, he's just such an aggressive I think that's a good example of the the East Coast bias, or at least you know, the non-West Coast bias. <laughs> Immediately, like, a guy like, goes west and he's like, "Oh, he sucks now." Like, Williams has been great this year. Caleb Williams has uh, twenty-two touchdowns in seven games. Like, he's going to be a, a top five in the Heisman voting, or he should be. And like, I, I would think yours have been awesome, but I mean, it's it's too soon for him to you know. To put him ahead of Caleb Williams and call Caleb Williams yeah, trash. Ca- like ca- ca- Caleb Williams is given at least a full season's worth of impressive games, whereas and this is not the slight Quinn Ewers who was okay against Iowa State, um, but I mean we've seen him play in four games total. Yeah, I mean, but Texas is back, so it's all good. Texas is so back. Those are my three Wait. guys. Uh, who else? Are you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I- I'll give you one more. Um, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Yeah. So that's, that's how old we are. Uh, yeah. The Clemson linebacker. Just like Clemson just has linebackers. Mm-hmm. Unlimited athletic linebackers. Trotter was everywhere against Florida State. Uh, went on the field. Um, they've kind of got a rotation. It, it, it kind of just blows my mind at how athletic this linebacker core is. Playing behind a defensive line that's just absolutely dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously Trenton Simpson's leading the way as – potential top 15 pick uh i've mentioned barrett carter on this show before uh i think for best sophomore and and trotter's now kind of emerging they've got um um just like three freakishly athletic linebackers right there playing behind a two deep defensive line line where it's like the whole second string clemson defensive line could start at almost most yeah how just yeah i don't know how legit do you think Clemson is this year? It's it's hard to say, but if DJU's not turning the ball over and Will Shipley in that offensive line are kind of chugging along in a positive way, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's it's almost like you can lean on your defense and your running game. It's it's Michigan-y almost yeah. to a lesser degree because they don't have that type of offensive line. Yeah. Um, but the defense is, I think, better than Michigan's. Or the Sorry, the front seven's better than Michigan's. Um, so I, I mean, like in the ACC looks horrible. So they're not going to lose a game. And even if they did, I don't, I don't think it's gonna, it's gonna matter, right? Like, if if you look at the ACC right now, um, Clemson's obviously leading the way in the Atlantic, and the Coastal, 
North Carolina is secretly six and one undefeated in conference play. Second in the coastals, Georgia Tech. <laughs> like that's how bad the fall off is. And then it's a pit team that's really inconsistent. And then it's Miami and like Duke's quietly been okay. Um, Virginia and Virginia Tech are god awful. Uh, and behind Clemson, like they're dealing with Syracuse, who it's I think's a little bit fraudulent at six nah, now, and they're wrong. playing them this week. Wrong. So we're gonna find out. And, and Wake, who they've beat, and then Florida State, who they've beat, and NC State. I think they're kind of dumb with Devin Leary being. Dumb. Yeah, yeah, they should cruise. So, they should cruise. Like they, I mean, playoff might be a little tougher, but I, I don't, I can't really fathom them not winning the ACC Agreed. as long as that defense stays healthy. Agreed. And DJU continues to just be like a very solid college quarterback. Um. Speaking of solid college quarterbacks, some people counted John Reese Plumley out after two years riding the pine behind Matt Corral. Not me. Guess what? John Reese Plumley's the weekdayest of Warriors. I gave it to his receivers, but really, it's it's all three of them. I, I put yeah, I put Plumley, Ryan O'Keefe, and Kobe Hudson. So Plumley threw for three seventy three and four scores. Ran for another three scores against Temple, who should just hire Matt Rule again. Um, and, and O'Keefe and Hudson combined for 11 grabs for 232 and four scores. Uh, it was just kind of offensive fireworks from the start. <laughs> they never slowed down. Uh, I don't know. It was ugly. Oh, it, like, O'Keefe and Hudson were just running wide open. It was crazy how, like, untouchable they were just, like, running deep. And like, like, just every time it plumbly, it felt like back to back to back drives. Just like, yeah, one of them is wide open deep and then finishing the play for a touchdown. This UCF team, I, I think because they lost that game to Louisville early in the season mm-hmm. in, in a tough fashion, like they kind of dropped off the radar, but they're now five and one behind Gus Malzahn. They've got Plumley, who's a very fun, good fit for this offense. And then, like a couple guys who are at least gonna be in NFL training camps between these two receivers, um, Javon Baker, uh, and, and even like ba- Bowser, the Bowser okay, baby, yeah, like he's an okay back who just I feel like he's gonna make a team as an undrafted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love Bowser. Um, but yeah, it was just like Temple's Temple's fallen so far. Remember Temple Tough used to matter. Yeah, that was Temple rough. Am I right? <laughs> No, that's a knee slapper. Bring back Jeff Collins if you're not going to hire Matt Rule. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Plumlee's a really fun college quarterback. He is. It's it's such a great landing spot for him too. Like that's like the perfect coach and you know and offense for him to be in. And like O'Keefe's tiny but so dynamic in space. And Hudson, I think, is like an, a legit NFL uh, slot option at some point. Like yeah. he was quite good for a bad Auburn team last year. Yeah. And, and Javon Baker's a Bama transfer, right? Like Gus Malzahn's worked the portal really well. Mm-hmm. Like really, I think I think Hudson's like really my top um, transfer guy this week too. To be honest, um, I got a different guy, but that's a good pick. Uh, and uh, I just want to say like Gus Malzahn's finally a great place to, especially with UCF moving to the Big Twelve. Like he's gonna be a Power Five coach again next year. Malzahn can't lose. Malzahn can't lose. This is the year of Malzahn. It's the year of – it is. Like, Auburn is such a mess. Melzahn's 5-1. and one. I hope Auburn somehow makes a bowl game and has to play UCF. <laughs> That'd be sick. That would be sick. 
Um, but uh, AJ will cover our bowl projections on uh, tomorrow's Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to project every bowl game. Uh, there's some people who do that. <coughs> McMurphy. I know. Um, I love it. I read it every, every week. week. Um, I, res- I respect it so much. <laughs> I need to know who's going to be in the Gasparilla Bowl, okay? Or who could be, not who will be. No, no, he's, he's um, gone. He's going to get it right one week. <laughs> week 13. Um, best offensive prospect this week. Who you got? It's hard not to give it to the Hendon Hooker, man. I didn't, so. I I, th- I think – now, we'll just have this debate right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Bryce Young. I put pr- Bryce I, Young for shooting up the board. I mean – I think what Bryce Young showed in that game yeah. was so little going right was so impressive. It was. Whereas, it, like, Hendon Hooker – and this is not the takeaway from Hendon Hooker, but Hendon Hooker had Jalen Hyatt running free <laughs> – Hendon Hooker's offensive line played phenomenally well. Darnell Wright was incredible. He's my top shooter on the board. Just to, yeah, he was awesome against yeah, Will Anderson. It was. But it wasn't even just him. Like, the whole O-line played really well. Um, How weird is it right now that you're saying the Tennessee quarterback had more help around him than the Alabama quarterback did? And it was just like, Young has Cameron Latu, who even had a drop, and, and Jameer Gibbs, who had a drop. Um, as his his tight end and his running back are his most trustworthy pass catchers. Yep. And it's not like Latu some dynamic dude. Solid tight obviously, end. Uh, yeah, obviously Gibbs is. But, um, but like, they still can't find a go-to wide receiver. And Bryce Young's getting destroyed every freaking snap. And I just kept thinking, how is this man getting up? I don't know if I've seen a more impressive toughness performance than what Bryce Young did in that game. Yeah, and not to mention he's coming off of the injury, too, in, in, exactly. in that environment. And, yeah, he, he did everything he needed to to win. So, yeah, I put him shooting with the board. I, I'm fine with that. I, I think just I give I give Hooker the nod because he won the game, baby. Yeah, um, fair. I, I, and I do think when you look at it from a, a throw-to-throw perspective, like Bryce, Bryce Young had uh, one throw down the sideline that was just, like, insane yes. ball placement yep. uh, in the third quarter. He had that, like, almost like Steph Curry-esque touchdown pass to Cameron Latu. It was almost like a no-look pass on the yep. basketball court. Um and just the way he – I think if you were to, say, try to explain to someone what the it factor is, you would show them this Bryce Young performance and say, just just look at this guy with nothing kind of going right around him. He just continues to make plays. It, it, and it's, it's, it's almost very subtle the way he's doing it. Yeah. The way the pass rush never seems to fluster him. The way he's just getting destroyed every snap, getting back up, then making one of the the most jaw-dropping throws of the season. Like, I do think when it comes down to the Bryce Young-CJ Stroud debate, you'd be like, CJ Stroud's surgical. He's a point guard, but Bryce Young's that, that – it got that thing you just can't explain. Yeah, and I kind of feel like it depends on the franchise picking, you know? Like, if it's a team that, like, like just really needs a face, you know, like, that's wishy-washy as fuck, then maybe the pick is Young. I think it's going to be closer than I originally thought. Young, it's he's got he's got it. It's it really all just keeps going down to that, and uh, and, and he keeps showing it in new ways too. He's he's great. And, and obviously, the biggest thing is just his size and how will that hold up in the NFL? Because he's 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 not just shorter, and he's not really that short. He's like six feet, um, but he doesn't have that same thick build to him the way Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray does for a shorter yeah. quarterback. And, and, I mean, he, he's taking so many licks. And he obviously hurt his shoulder two weeks ago. 
and it's just I think the, that's going to be the biggest concern, whereas C.J. Stroud's just never been hurt. Yeah, no, I, I, it will, but, I mean, then you can just throw it right back to this guy's tough, and he's, like, yeah, he missed time, but, like, like this game, you know, he kept fucking game back up and throwing more haymakers, like. And, and, and as for Hendon Hooker, Hendon Hooker's just, his climb has been yeah. almost hard to understand. If you, you said to someone three years ago when he was at Virginia Tech running for his life, he was a fun college quarterback, no doubt. He was. But th- this guy's going to defeat Alabama and have Tennessee thinking it's 98 again. Um, I, I don't think anyone would believe you. Like, those those two years he was, like, kind of the starter at, at Virginia Tech, he was mainly just doing things with his legs and showing he had a big arm. But yeah. Was was not super consistent and didn't have a lot around him. And then he wasn't even the starter to start last season, right? It was your guy, uh, Joe, Joe Milton, Milton, baby. Who, by the way, they don't trust Hooker to throw the deep one. What's up with that? Um, that was a good deep ball from Milton. Was, Milton can do one thing well, and it's, it's throw, throw Joe the Milton's ball. Joe Milton's going to be such a fun backup CFL QB. He can QB sneak like a, a uh, madman. Yeah. He's lock him into the CFL if he wants it. But obviously, so Hendon Hooker against the vaunted Alabama D and this is a good Alabama defense. Mm-hmm. I know Alabama has been up and down defensively the last couple of years, but this is a good defense. It, it's one of the best in country. Throws for three eighty five, five scores runs for 56. Obviously you have that interception where Will Anderson did actually kind of force that to happen mm-hmm. uh, to, to Marco Helms. But uh, other than that, he was so efficient. He's been so efficient. He's only thrown four interceptions in two years at Tennessee uh, to 46 touchdown passes. Um, against Bama, completes 70% of his balls. He just doesn't really make poor decisions. Yeah. Like, he, he a lot of what he does is he attacks downfield and he attacks outside the hashes. I think if you were to look to ding him for something, it's he doesn't go over the middle a ton. But also Josh Hupel's offense kind of uh, leans you towards making those deep outside throws. Um, and, and with Hooker, you're getting – the athleticism, the arm talent, the the efficiency, and just his ability to almost turn any play into a positive mm-hmm. where he's not going to make that – when you get him under pressure, he's not going to, for the most part, force that into double coverage and really lean on that arm. He might overthrow a guy, but he's not going to force a ball. And yeah. it just he, – he almost never makes the wrong choice, which is – I just, I don't know. I think it's very impressive um, for a guy playing – in the SEC, who two uh, two or three years ago or whatever was just a, a fun run around quarterback for the Hokies. No, I mean I totally agree, and like I think like you know with him being an older prospect, twenty five, I I feel like come draft season it's going to be a lot of you know the, the big headline from big media is going to be you know he's got that makeup, he's got that poise, he, his command of the offense at Tennessee. Uh, he's going to be touted as NFL ready. And, like, that comes across to me trying to, you know, criticize him and maybe slightly. But, like, that's not on Hooker. And he has shown all of that, right? That's more on just – I feel like the media's going to do the old tired bullshit. Um, yeah, like like uh, like you said, no one's helped themselves more in the entire country um, in a quarterback class that's been so murky after the top two guys. Um, and, like, yeah, like the, the just – the decision-making ability, the, the fact that he that, – that's his first pick of the year, right? Like, he doesn't turn the ball over um, – his poise and the ability to, you know, not make negative plays and, and turn negative into possible. And I do think like his, his ability to run is kind of on top of it all too. Right. Like and he, he's almost, and this isn't like a straight comp or anything, but 
it's it's reminiscent of Dak Prescott at Mississippi Mississippi State in that he's really the catalyst for a team playing above its weight class. Yeah, yeah. Um, in in a fun offense, uh, and he's got all the physical tools. And but his X factor is almost just he's very smart. His decision making is very strong against really talented SEC defenses. And in that way, it does kind of remind me of Dak, who ended up going into the fourth round and obviously has way outplayed that position, but was such a fun college quarterback, uh, especially those last two years with the Bulldogs. And they're both going to get the uh, the Super Bowl bump. Hendon Hooker is going to be the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback one day. <laughs> Call my shot. I like it. Um, when Cooper Rush retires. Um, okay, those, I think those two definitely deserve that spotlight. But I thought it, it was a tougher week for defensive prospects. Agreed. I thought it was a very offense-heavy week. Uh, obviously, the Utah-USC game, the Alabama-Tennessee game, Michigan putting up points. Um, Ohio State had an off week, so we can't just pick Buckeyes for everything, which is sad for us. Um, I, I ended up just... I think I could have given it to one Clemson defensive lineman in particular. I get, but I give it to the group as a whole just because it's so stupid, dude. And, yeah, I, I think that's the right call. I gave it to Miles Murphy because I think he was the best of the group. Yeah, Miles Murphy, three and a half TFLs, two sacks against Florida State. But at the same time, like, K.J. Henry is mm-hmm. – when Miles Murphy's bullying offensive linemen on one side, K.J. Henry's just a ball of energy. Mm-hmm. And just – the consistency in which he he deflects balls uh, when he pressures a quarterback and then they get the ball off, but he has that quick twitch reaction speed to deflect the ball. I find it so impressive and so funny. Two more PBUs in this one. Um, Xavier Thomas is back and yep. he's making an impact in limited snaps. I thought Rukororor, I can't, I don't know if that's how you say his last name. He was really good. Tyler Davis was once again really good. Yep. Uh, Brian Brzee in um, limited snaps looked impressive. Uh, Justin Muscal, another defensive lineman, getting in there. Uh, and Peyton Page, a sophomore interior defensive lineman, uh, he he looks special for the future. It's just such a deep group, and Miles Murphy was definitely the best of the bunch. But No, I, I think the, – the, yeah. I mean, like, I think that was the, the biggest defensive position group that, like, you know, controlled the biggest, you know, game. Like, not the biggest game, but you know what I mean. Like, no group just controlled the game like, like they did. Um I mean, Florida State snuck back in, but really, they the game was over by by you know the, the third quarter. Um, yeah, Murphy, Murphy specifically though, you know, both his sacks came against a left tackle. The first one, uh, Scott. yeah, for, first first game against Travis getting flushed, but like Murphy just like you know beat the left tackle and then, um, but like he also flashed like really good change of direction to swallow up Travis because he tried to escape. He was obviously a good athlete. The next one like just beat beat Scott clean with like that long arm, which was pretty nasty, and then forced the the, the strip sack too, and Davis Davis recovered that one. Yeah, the, the, the first one, I think you're right. The first one's a, a good uh, example of just kind of the hand violence he brings to mm-hmm. the table. Yeah. Um, and the the second, is it's the long arm's cool, but it's really showing that get off to get there. Because yeah. he kind of just, he he almost doesn't need the long arm to win. No, it's, 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 it's pretty true. And then, like, the ability to, you know, separate the man from the ball at the, at the quarterback spot there. Yeah, he's... He's been really – I mean, the edge class is so – the edge class is ridiculous, AJ. But so is the interior defensive line class. Um, and, again, KJ Henry was really awesome in this mm-hmm. one. He just leveled up. Yeah, big time. From, like, the yeah, first snap time, of the season, too, eh? It's like he's just a different dude this year. Yeah. 
And he's such a good compliment to Miles Murphy, who's kind of physically got it all. And, and KJ Henry's just so much energy and so much twitch. And his his hands have just gotten so much better. And his passers plan so much better. And um, obviously Tyler Davis is one of the best senior interior defensive linemen. Um, I, I feel like most weeks you can talk about the Clemson defensive line in a positive manner. Mm, definitely. And I think they deserve the headline this week. Uh, speaking of headlines, Tennessee, old Rocky Top, beats Alabama. Darnell Wright, the unsung hero. Yeah, man. I think he totally deserves the top shooting the board. shooting up the board. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like, he, he did, I don't think he'd give up pressure, like, by my eye test on, on, on Saturday. And, like, he did a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic job on Will Anderson. And they give him help at times, but, like, even one-on-one, he, he looked rock solid. I was kind of, like, keeping my eye on him for most of the game and – you know that's a big dude too. Like he's 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 really well built. He's got that perfect you know right tackle NFL frame. You know athleticism is a little eh, but like putting putting that this game on tape is going to be huge for his draft stock. Big time agree. Um, the, we're we're talking about Hendon Hooker. We're talking about Jalen Hyatt, but like he's right there with them for positive talk this weekend. He's had a really good season. He has, yeah. Um, and it's not a great offensive tackle class after the Big Ten boys. He he's a guy who could I think very well sneak into that like kind of that top six top seven offensive tackle group. I totally and I was reading I think it was Dane Brugler's article saying that like the scouts had him as a priority free agent before the season, which I thought was kind of crazy. I had like a fourth on him. Uh, yeah, I liked him. Yeah, I thought he was like a mid midday three type. Yeah, and I mean I don't, I don't know where that was coming from, but like he looks like he's like I I agree with you. He looks like a top one hundred guy right now. Uh, and. Uh... His teammate Jalen Hyatt. I put him from out of nowhere, uh, but I did too. But I, yeah. I just I, I feel like might as well mention him right now because yeah, with Cedric Tillman out, who was one of the two best senior wide receivers in the country entering the year, Hyatt has just taken his game up a notch, and obviously he has this kind of this game breaking speed. Yeah, Alabama did just didn't know how to handle it. They, they Josh Hupel had these nasty combo routes coming at them. And it was getting high in mismatches, and he was blowing by like Malachi Moore and, and Branch and, and Helms, Jordan jo- Jordan Battle and, and Helms over top just like couldn't didn't have the range to mm-hmm. stick with him. And I mean, two hundred and seven yards and five touchdowns against Alabama. Yeah, and just they had no answer for that speed and Hooker's arm talent. And, and again, going back to Hendon Hooker, those are some well placed, what perfectly touched balls. Uh, that sounded terrible out loud. Um, but that's what Rocky Top's all about. Hyatt, it sounded a good receiver class. It's such an open wide receiver class. Uh, there's one wide receiver who's really emerged. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Hyatt, Hyatt, this sneaky kind of just, I think maybe he ends up being like kind of this day two dynamic deep threat. If he goes and runs sub 4 3, like he, I think he's been laser timed at. Uh, yeah. Oh really? Oh fuck! I believe okay. so. I believe between the mid four twos and mid four threes. So, if he, if he gets down that low, uh, yeah, he's got a good shot at it. And especially if this this Tennessee team keeps on rolling, baby, Rocky Top, baby. Um, but yeah, like 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 we named all those Alabama, uh, you know, DBs, and to do it against that group too. And like you said, Hypel did a really good job of getting the mismatch, but. To do it against that group just one-on-one, that's impressive. And it was both in the slot and outside, too. Um, yeah. 
five touchdowns and six catches in all that yardage is, is ridiculous. Looking like Hollywood Brown, but with better hands. Um, I'll, I'll give you another pass catcher. Dalton Kincaid, man. Yeah, man. So I, I put Kincaid Who, for made me look stupid. I love Dalton Kincaid. I am so happy because I thought, hey, this guy could be a really nice blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. Well, Brent Keithy went down, and now Utah has to feature him. Ends up with 16 catches for 234 yards and a touchdown against USC. It felt like every damn time he caught the ball, he was breaking at least one tackle. He put on his best George Kittle impersonation. Yeah. Um, I, I, US, USC could just, like, he'd be catching shit down low. He'd just, he'd just run a, a hitch or, or a... Uh, a quick little drag route or, or a slant or whatever it may be. And he would break a tackle or two and they just could not corral him. And factoring the, the yak and the uh, ball skills into what he does as a blocker, I think huge news for him in this uh, tight end race. He had that one play down the sideline where he fucking mossed a guy's ass <laughs> yeah. where they called it incomplete initially. He had that one down the seam where he, he uh, just kind of went over the DB. Yep. Uh, or the linebacker, um, man, I really like Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, I, I had a fifth on him in the summer, so like it wasn't like I was super low, but fuck, he looked like a top 100 guy. Um, Saturday, and he was probably the best offensive player in the country that didn't play at Neyland. Like I think he was that fucking good. Like just own the Trojans, like you said. I, I that yak man, like broke a bunch of tackles, breaking tackles, making guys miss, was ridiculous. Uh, looked like a way better athlete than I gave him credit for. Uh, looked so complete and like. Like you said, he had that big highlights, but even like just like some of the stuff over the middle too. Like he had sixteen catches on sixteen targets, wasn't dropping anything. You know, you know that stupid game they get at the dollar store where it's like a tennis ball and a velcro pad. Like it's just the way the ball was sticking to his hands looked like that. Like I think he had one over the middle where he's just on top of a defender, and just boop. It looks like it should be you know you know a double catch at at best, and it just sticks to his gloves. Looks like he got that old stick him on the gloves, and like that was about as complete as a tight end performance. From, like, a guy who's like, okay, this is a first round. That's not like, oh, this is a first round tight end, as I've, I can remember, you know? Like, that felt like, like you said, Kittle or Kittle in the NFL or, you know, like, I, Brock Bowers or Meyer, like, one of the big time tight ends, that, or if not bigger, you know? It's ridiculous. This is going to be a really fun tight end class. We're, we were due for a, for a deep one. Thank God. Um,. And one more pass catcher. Quentin Johnston, again, mm-hmm. was awesome. Ended up with eight for 180 and a touchdown against Oklahoma State. It was similar to what happened with the Kansas game. Just any time they needed something, they went to him. Uh, he had the game-winning touchdown, or the game-changing touchdown. Um, and just his size and his speed are overwhelming. And just his ability to change directions at that size yeah. is He's so not, loose. It's not normal. It's not normal. I mean, for someone who pounded the table for him in the summer saying this is going to be the first receiver drafted, uh, I'm feeling pretty confident about that. Obviously, the rest of the group's going to have been blah. I didn't hope for that. But Johnson is finally, you know, stepping up. And it's it's not him that wasn't stepped up. It was them not getting the fucking ball. But, yeah, just how loose he is, lower body. And, again, it was like last week where he was just, like, you know, giving the ball and he's he's getting that easy yak. But, like, well, good, yeah. Yeah, and, like, even, even on that touchdown <clears> – <throat> Um, he just he like he just kind of threatens vertically, yep. and the the corner the corner didn't didn't play it well. The corner was <laughs> no. trying to trying to keep 
Over the top. Outside leverage. Yeah. yeah. yeah outside leverage. <laughs> and Johnson's just kind of cutting <laughs> side by his ass. But, like, the ball was not thrown that well at all because it should have been just an easy touchdown, right? And he had to go track it with the safety coming yeah. across. And the safety, the safety hammers him. But at no point did you think this man's not going to catch this. No. Uh, he was pretty unreal. Um, can I give the Michigan guys due? Yeah, talk about that offensive line, that running back. Yeah, those are, those are the dudes, man. I think the whole Michigan offensive line shooting up the board, the way they just dominated that that Penn State front. I mean, that that game was not. It was, was it was closer on the scoreboard than it was in reality. I mean, Corum was just I don't know, man. Like, what do you have a good Corum comp yet? Darrell Henderson, but good. <laughs> hey, that's RB one in LA Super Bowl champs. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I can't find a good one for him yet. But like, he just so. Good, like that compact size, but well built, and some of the cuts he makes are freaky. Like some how how low he gets to the ground, when he's making these cuts are freaky, and he just he feels so complete right now. I, I, like again, I, like he's not doing too much in the passing. I, should, I guess I should say, but just uh, he's a stud. I love watching him, and that that line was just was just was just monstrous. Um, that should be your made you look stupid because you you. No, you, you weren't a fan of any of these guys, and they were just fucking ballers. And they had the backup right tackle oh. in the game. Yeah, go ahead. Oluwatimi, yeah, go. Yeah, he he uh, is someone who has maybe like he was really yeah. He is, if you were to make kind of the list of the five most important transfers, yeah, this year, especially if you took quarterbacks into the equation, yeah, I th- he's he's right in that conversation. It definitely, like just, I mean, the offensive line was obviously really good last year, but. Losing a couple guys, and it just feels like his addition just has re-solidified, I guess is the word to put it, and maybe even made it even better. Um, yeah, they're they're massive. And on the flip side, I just want to give our guy Mike Morris another shout-out because I thought he was pretty damn good again. No, he didn't have to be a massive, massive, you know, stud or anything, but he had that awesome TFL on the first drive on the third and one. Um, I, yeah, the, the guys the, the, the guys that show up for Michigan are doing it consistently, you know. It's the same dudes week in, week out. It's that offensive line, the running game. And those those pass rushers that just turn it on when they when they need to in the in, late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy how how much turnover they had, and the fact that they're just right there and they're going to win the Joe Moore Award again. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have anyone else shooting up the word? Uh, just quickly, the trio of SEC running backs: Tank Bigsby, Jameer Gibbs, Zach Evans. Yeah. Bigsby, we haven't talked about much just because Auburn sucks, yeah. but uh, he's the reason Auburn got back into this. He had that sick fifty-yard touchdown where he just. Looks, the combination of fluidity and contact balance are really impressive. Um, he's a, a guy who'll get his due in a couple of months when people really dig in. Absolutely, uh, it's the same thing over and over. Just he is so much better than anyone else on that team. <laughs> yeah, and it gives just his ability to turn anything into mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. and kind of get north south as quickly as he does. And, and Zach Evans and Judkins, they're just so silly together. Did you put Cam Rising anywhere? No. I, because it was that Dal- it was Dalton Kinkie. It was, but I want like rising. I want to give him some due because like th- this feels like the game when the scouts threw on. It's like yeah, this is our Taysom Hill baby or something. I don't know. He threw for four hundred yards and six uh, sixty yards on the ground, five total touchdowns. He was pushing it deep a couple times too. Yeah, where, uh, yeah. They, they drew a couple pis on Makai Blackman, who I actually threw for sliding down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, can I can I just I think on Penn State. With them being so poor, I thought two two guys were good, but I'll, I'll mention other later. I thought Sherry Brown was actually really good. And it was early, and, you know, he got banged up. But really early in the game, he was a fucking monster. He had that awesome TFL on the goal line. We just went th- straight through uh, 
I think it was one of the tight ends, um, straight through him and then just blew up the play. Should have been a touchdown. Early, obviously, they, they hung, and Michigan should have scored touchdowns. But, like, felt like every time they did it, it was Brown making a play. Uh, had that really nice tackle on, on, a, on a McCarthy-designed run, too. Probably prevented a touchdown on that one, too. Just played a great first half, and I thought, like, that was – it felt like this was okay. This is Jerry Brown's, like, let, let big dog game. And, um, fortunately, they got washed, and, and he got banged up. But he, he played really well. Who's the other Penn State guy you want to mention? I'll, I'll save him somewhere else. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. You want to get sliding down, then? Yeah, I don't have too many guys, but um, – I, I think first I want to I want to sh- shout out or reverse shout out Henry Toto because I yeah. I don't feel like he's been very I'm good like, this game or this year and this has been like the, this was supposed to be the revenge game and he got goofed he got goofed so you got to be top sliding on the board because transferring he from almost had an interception it, it al- almost doesn't count yeah but transferring from Tennessee yeah. to Bama and then going back there and getting getting beat like that yeah I thought two things. Just the lack of impact on passing downs yeah. because, because he's not a guy who, especially against that type of offense where they're just attacking deep. Yeah, of the hashes, exactly. He's not a guy who blitz. Yeah. He's not a guy who's adding anything as a pass rusher, which, I mean, it's an off-ball linebacker. That's not his job per se. But when you compound that with uh, he was just not doing very well against the run when they did mm-hmm. run the ball, they are just kind of power running, and he was not getting off blocks. And his lack of size, I thought, really showed up. Yeah, and I felt like they had that Bama defense off balance the whole game, and I feel like that that you know that that comes back to toe toe. And um, no, I ag- agreed, agreed. Um, well, I don't have too many guys, but you put up is Blackman your next guy? I threw Blackman down. Um, he he had two, I think, DPIs against yeah. uh, number seventeen, the Utah receiver. Uh, I also threw just going back to Alabama, like the safeties just didn't play very well they didn't they did not handle uh two things they did not handle the speed of tennessee's passing game very well or receivers very well and they just didn't they seemed like there was so much miscommunication with those Mm. combos and it was like when sark was at alabama and devonta smith just felt like he was running free all the time because he'd set those reds up perfectly yeah with uh him and waddle and that was kind of the vibe i was getting from josh people and these tennessee receivers specifically jalen hyatt and it led to Helms getting one-on-one with Hyatt and just getting cooked because yeah. that's not what he does. Uh, uh, Malachi Moore getting cooked at one point. Um, Jordan Battle kind of being a step behind uh, when playing deep. Um, Brian Branch, not so much, but those other three. No, I agreed. I, I put Helms down too. Uh, but no, I think just highlighting him as a whole is pretty fair. Um, and, and negatively for Penn State, it's not like Michigan lit them up in the passing game at all, but like – I thought Joey Porter Jr., like, he didn't step up when they needed him. And then he also that really, really, really dumb, unnecessary roughness penalty immediately to start the game. That kind of just, like... Which which is funny because he hadn't been called... Like, his obviously, his whole thing was he's got to cut down on penalties yeah. he, uh, entering this year. And he, I, I think the stat was he hadn't been called on one in, like, four or five games. Mm-hmm. And then he immediately got one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I put I put P.J. Mustafer, who was probably, like, better than everyone else up front. But, like, another guy, like, you need... He... Go ahead, yeah. Also was so hyped up entering this game. Yeah, exactly. It, it was weird, honestly. I'm like, oh, I didn't know people really cared this much about P.J. Mustafer. Um, like, and, like, he didn't play, like, I mean, he wasn't the worst in the front, but he needed to step up, and he, d- and he didn't. He, he, he was talked about as their complete game changer. Their yeah. Stuff, yeah. The, the answer to what Michigan does. And he got goofed. Aluatami and and the, those guards just kind of pushed them around. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he, he like his game is in pass rushing, so I, whatever. But when they're running for like four hundred yards, yeah, and he's just kind of not having he was again. You're right. He wasn't just getting pancaked or anything. But he had a couple good stops. But like, and he but he just wasn't the guy that. The way they resetting the line and exactly yeah he wasn't Mazzy Smith out there he wasn't yeah Jordan Davis um, <laughs> yeah you know uh, and another pencil I want to mention Parker Washington yeah he uh, he's just really struggled to make an impact yes uh, at times this season and in this game they really needed him to and he had a shot on a on a pretty good throw from Sean Clifford on the sideline it was a brutal drop yeah and that kind of stalled the drive and then. Because Penn State was in this game a little bit at the start. They right? were. They definitely were, but they shouldn't have been, but they were. They were there. And, and, and it was because Michigan couldn't capitalize mm-hmm. uh, on red zone trips. And, and if Parker Washington makes a play or two more for that offense, I who knows what happens. It, it, but yeah. that, that drop really killed them. Agreed. Because it felt like, like Clifford, Clifford sucks. But they, it was one every like every three throws, he's like, wait, where's that play coming from? Or like one every five, maybe. Like he made that one really nice throw deep, too. And then the run too, like it's like, yeah. And like that's like again, if Washington makes makes that play and makes a couple more plays, maybe they hang and don't get just you know railroaded like they did. Um, who else? Yeah, that, that's 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 my extent. Who else you got? Uh, I mentioned Makai Blackman. Oh, Robert Scott. Uh, yeah, he was the he's the left tackle yes. for the state who who's a legit NFL prospect and Miles Murphy demolished him. Uh, kind of kicked his ass a little bit. Um, I didn't think Derek Hall and Colby Wooden were that great against Ole Miss. Yeah, they've kind of faded. I feel like the last they, few weeks, like they they came back for fifteen tackles at TFL in two hurries. Yeah, Ole Miss ran for like three hundred and fifty mm-hmm. yards on them, and Derek Hall just kind of at times was not setting the edge very well, and and Colby wouldn't disappears as a pass rusher. Yeah, he's he, he he's more of he's more of a, a tweener who doesn't have a quite the impact you want from a top 50 defensive linemen. Um, yeah, I thought they were both kind of meh. Yeah, they were. But that's everyone I got. And then we both had Jalen Hyatt for out of nowhere. We did. We did. I mean, and he, he deserves it. Like, I guess, like, you know, he, he's had a good year, but just that performance was so against Alabama. You know I mean? The whole thing, we already talked about it, but just, like, just what a fucking wow game. Making himself like a, a near household name in college football. Like, that, was, that was massive. Um... And prospect made me look stupid. I went with Chris Rodriguez, who I was not very high on over the summer. Uh, holy moly! Every carry he was just trucking. He's people. fine. He, one of one of his touchdown runs, he he carried like the whole Mississippi State defense on his back. He was the little engine that could for the, the <laughs> Kentucky Wildcats. And, and when I tell like, any time they needed to play, it was him. And it was just like seven, eight, and then all of a sudden a forty yard run. Right, like he is very. Uh, meat and potatoes type of runner, but NFL teams look for that. Yeah, right? they do. He, he's he's not some dynamic space player, and he's not a guy who catches a lot of passes. Um, but to be that that number two who can kind of get the job done inside the tackles, he's got a future in the NFL because of that contact balance and that that angry style. It's James Connery. I was about to say he's gonna be great uh, in a tandem with Jalen Warren in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Uh, we got Benny Snell. Um, who made you look stupid? I, I put Dalton Kincaid. Right, right. Best prospect versus prospect matchup, I think, was maybe the best of the year, and it was Jordan Addison yeah, and Clark Phillips. It's clearly that one. 
and it was cool because when they were matched up with each other they each made plays they did like it yeah like addison wasn't getting shut down and phillips wasn't getting burned Um, if you had to give the nod who do you give it to I think, fuck that AJ. Come on, you tell me, and then I'm gonna say the same thing. I think I give it to Clark Phillips. I think I give it to Jordan Addison. Okay, well that's why it's the perfect prospect versus prospect match. Unfortunately, Addison um, did get hurt though, and he came back on crutches. So hopefully, he'll he's all good. But that yeah. aside, yeah, go ahead. It was a perfect yeah. matchup. Yeah, Addison's fluidity is a red. Yeah, runner. man. But but then also fact like clark phillips feet are so good his click and clothes are so good he had two big pbus yeah the one just um, yeah crossing you know uh the clothes on across addison's body to knock i think you tweeted out actually knock it away good. yeah that, that was that was great i just felt like phillips had the one pass interference on addison uh, on the goal yeah. line i think he, he got called for another penalty but i think wasn't that one like kind of like shitty but anyways uh missed yeah. missed a couple tackles those are the negatives but like i still thought he played like a really solid game had a sack too right they're both um, they're both going to be first round picks. I think. Uh, agreed. As long as Jordan, as long as Jordan Addison weighs enough. Yeah, but that that fucking like it just his lower body twitch and, and fluidity. It just makes him so fucking hard to cover. Like, yeah. And that that was on full display. It was a hell of a matchup. That for real, it might be the best of the year. Prospect who outplayed the box score. I went with uh, Kentucky's kind of linebacker edge tweener Jordan Wright, who. He had a sick TFL in space that didn't count because uh, Mississippi State held and they just took the accepted the penalty. Um, he also had two PBUs, uh, one in coverage and one as a pass rusher. Um, his kind of he's six five two thirty five I think, and his kind of combo of uh, relentlessness and fluid movement skills is really really interesting. Kentucky seems to always have these kind of tweenery linebacker edge guys who are just really long and athletic. Um, obviously, they had John Davis a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. They had Josh Allen. Uh, right now, they have J.J. Weaver and Jordan Wright. Um, it's it's really fun. Uh, this is where I put my other Penn State guy. and he, Obviously, there's no real box score for offensive linemen, but I put Olu Fashunu because like you, put, you look at the offensive stats for Penn State, they're not good. Uh, the score was not good, um, and it was actually better than it should have been, like I said earlier. But I thought Fashunu was, like, the best player on the field for Penn State. He was. Uh, he was. And it was both in pass protection where he looked really good. Uh, I don't know if he gave up a – maybe maybe one hurry, that's about it. And in the run game where, like, it, he was he was really good. Had a huge block on the Clifford run, uh, the, the long one, where he – you know, that 4-2 speed f- fell him, but he he looks still look great, fast as hell. But, no, Fashuna was great, so I just wanted to highlight him for, you know, two guys, him and him and Brown who stepped up, but the rest of the team stunk. Uh, but Fashuna just, you know, again, 19 years old, uh, going into that, that environment and, and the rest of his team failing and him playing a hell of a football – a hell of a fucking football game. I think that there's something to be said there. Uh, prospect who's being overhyped. This is always a perfect spot for a quarterback yeah. who gets hyped and then fails a little bit. I went with Will Rogers this week, yeah. the Mississippi State quarterback, who threw for 203, a score and a pick, 5.5, an attempt against Kentucky, only put up 17 points. Uh, Kentucky just kind of shut down the air raid, um, and he looked very much like most Mike Leach air raid quarterbacks Agreed. in that his arm isn't very special. He's not a great athlete. He runs that system well. 
I uh, pretty accurate, but there's just like I don't know if I think that's an NFL. It's yeah, the Will Rogers hype is always weird too because it's like it's like oh you know there might be something here and then he'll have a bad game and like people will stop talking about it for a couple of weeks and then you know the st- he puts up numbers yeah, the, but so does everyone in that system. exactly it's, the stats will start to mount and be like people are like oh don't forget about Will Rogers and then he puts it's the same shit over and over and I just I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. Um, who who'd you go? With? I I have a quarterback who I do believe can be an NFL quarterback, but mine is just like I look at mock drafts. I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, and my guy is Cam Ward, who I love, my favorite player in the country, maybe, but a, a fairly well known draft Nick. I'm not going to name names here. Had him go in the first round of his latest mock. I'm like, okay. One thing I keep hearing is. Every time people talk about Washington State, they're like, yeah, Cam Ward's really good. He just, his playmakers aren't. So, like, that's why it's not working. Like, he's too good for his playmakers. Okay. Which is, like, I feel like that's, like, galaxy brain, man. Like, he is he is so physically talented. Yeah, I love him. And you see the flashes. He, if, I don't think there's any way he's declaring this Nope. Year. Not at all. I, yeah, like, I, and I, <laughs> he's definitely, I love Cam Ward, but he's definitely missing throws. And, like, yeah, like, the mocks aren't the end-all be-all, but like you said, I don't think he's coming out. But it just feels more like just people throwing darts and, like, trying to be the first in on a fucking guy so they can claim them as their fucking son. And, like, just stop. It's annoying. Just stop. That's all I wanted. Nothing against Cam Ward. It's just, please stop. Yeah. Uh, the, my transfer who popped on the scene is a t- uh, Tishon Manning, the Kentucky guard, who had one of the greatest flops in college football history against Mississippi State. But he also paved the way for Rodriguez's day, and, and the Wildcats <laughs> ran for 239. And he's just a big old bully, and he looks so good getting out in space as a puller. Uh, and that flop was hilarious. So. My my top guy was really Kobe Hudson, so I just gave it to, like, not popped on the scene. But Zach Evans is like, it. He continues to be really good for Ole Miss. He's just, like, not getting the spotlight and obviously not, you know, being this bell cow back. But, you know, 136 yards and a touchdown and another receiving touchdown. Um, it feels like, like the hype is, is fading, but I don't think it's going to hurt his stock at all, you know? No, once April comes around. Exactly, exactly. Um, and small school guy who caught your eye. I watch no small school football. Temple sucks. There's no one that deserved it. So I put no one. No one caught my eye this week. Okay, well, I watched Marshall play Louisiana. Yeah, I forgot. I didn't, I didn't watch that game. I should have. Uh, Kalen LeBourne, the Marshall running back, who's the former, like, five-star from Florida State. Yeah. He's their entire offense. Like, Marshall's not very good. And uh, he didn't have, like, a massive game. 120 and two scores uh, on 26 carries. But he's just... He looks like an NFL back yeah. uh, athletically and size-wise, and it's not shocking to know he was that kind of recruit. And other side, Zion Hill Green, uh, who we talked about over the summer, undersized mm-hmm. defensive tackle. He's just really athletic, good little gap shooter. Um, I don't know what he could be in the NFL at that size, but always fun to watch him. It's a good one. I, I, LeBron's a lot of fun. Yeah, he is. And just a great story, too. Yeah. He, he's going to be, like, at the East-West Shrine game and be the best player there or something. <laughs> yeah, lock that in. Uh, okay, finally, our uh, Week 8 picks. Uh, how'd you do in Week 7? Two and three. Floundering. Four and one. I am a genius. Floundering. My genius never ends. Uh, I'm 22-12 and one on this season. Yeah, me too. Same here. I'm 15-18 and two. Why do you even pick? I don't know, man. Because I have a better name for my picks, that's why. That's, yeah, I don't even say the name, that's fine. Uh, okay, 12 p.m., ABC. Uh, I alluded to it earlier. 
Number 14, Syracuse at number 5, Clemson. Uh, an orange out, if you will. I will. Uh, Tigers, my te- minus 13 and a half. Battle for the, the number one spot in the Atlantic, the ACC Atlantic. Um, who you got? I maybe alluded to it earlier, but I, I'm going to take the orange plus the points, baby. So my my whole thing is I don't think Garrett Schrader's good. He's fun, but he's not good. I don't care. Sean, Sean Tucker's been shut down because his offensive line's not that good outside of Matthew Bergeron. So I just think Clemson's defensive line's going to fucking destroy them. Cle- they probably will, but Clemson seems to have a problem with, with covering. Well, I mean, they did it this week, but the spreadsheet a bit more. They, they just, they I don't know, they're not like blowing teams out. But I guess I come back to, like, the way to beat Clemson is to attack those corners mm-hmm. um, and get after DJU. Well, Syracuse doesn't have the greatest passing game or some uh, wide receiver to lean on. No. And the, their defense is better on the back end than up front. I also go back to, like, they've played Clemson tough the last two years as well. <laughs> um, That's fair. So like I, I don't think they win. I, I like if you're gonna ask me like I, I don't think yeah, they have a shot. Just they cover. I'm just gonna take them to cover and try to make a game up on you. DJ, you might get confused by Syracuse <laughs> also being an orange. Yeah. It's a good point. It's something to consider. Uh, I don't know if you're taking this one. 12 p.m. Fox, Iowa at number two. Ohio State. Of course, State. I'm taking this one. Of course. Okay. Does Tory Taylor set the record for most point yards in a game in this bad boy? I think he's got it. He's a great punter. He is a great punter. He is, he, I'm so glad he's at Iowa. It's, That's the best place for the best punter to be. It's so true. Um, minus 29, Rob. Minus 29. I'm running my Buckeyes because I feel like you don't pick this game to pick Iowa to cover. Like, that's so no, weird. No, you don't. You just don't. Uh, Spencer, Spencer Pinterest is like the worst quarterback in the history of football. Iowa's so bad offensively. Brian Ferentz is the, the king of nepotism. Yep. He should have been never never hired, but he certainly should have been fired a long time ago. Uh, obviously, the, 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 the reason to tune in is to watch C.J. Stroud, all these talented wide receivers uh, go against Iowa. Iowa's defense is very good. Yep. Jack Campbell's very good. Uh, the secondary's got multiple NFL players. But I just think, like, I don't know. I can't see them slowing down this offensive attack. Ohio State's got way too many options. It, it might be a slow start, but when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, like seeing Ohio State win 35-3, that's not surprising. I totally agree. I don't think I was going to be able to score. Um, like, I don't know. There's, there's, I doubt they'll put up more than seven, if, if that. Um, if this game was in Kinnick, I would I would win. There's no same, doubt. Same. No doubt. Uh, I wouldn't touch this if it was in Kinnick. No, no, but but twenty nine is massive. But I, they're gonna do it. They're gonna do it. Taking Ohio State as well. Okay, I think probably the game of the day three in ESPN uh, game day agrees. Uh, three thirty p.m. Fox number nine UCLA at number ten Oregon. The true Chip Kelly bowl. Yeah, baby. Uh, UCLA finally looks like Chip Kelly's got them going the right way. Uh, DTR is leveled up. Zach Charbonnet is one of the best backs in the country. Mm-hmm. Jake Bobo, one of the best transfers. Defensively, their front sevens like very violent yeah. and talented. Um, Oregon, 
coming off that Georgia loss has been so much better. Obviously, the Washington State game was insane. They shouldn't have won it. Uh, defensively, they've got some dogs. They still have Bonix running the store. I'm taking UCLA plus six. I say all that to say that. I if Chip Kelly is gonna is ever gonna do it, it's gonna be now, right? Like it's yeah, DTR's fifth year starting. It's fifth year starting, looking good. Going back to Autzen. And I know it's in Autzen. That's not an easy place to win. I think UCLA hasn't won there in like two decades. But I don't know. But, and, and this is also a really good chance to see how much Noah Sewell's yeah. struggled yeah. this year. Sewell, Sewell versus Charbonnet, you know, indirectly, it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Um, six points, too. That's a lot of points. And like. I, I kind of like UCLA went outright, and so if okay. I, if I got those points, I'm going to take those points too. Give me, give me the Bruins, baby. Same, same, same. It's going to be a fun one, though. I'm really excited about that. It should be. Glad, the glad this game's not stuck at FS1. 10 p.m. Yeah. on FS1. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm also going to go 3:30 ABC number 20 Texas at number 11 Oklahoma State. Got this one too. Okay. Cool. Uh, the Pokes are plus six and a half at home. Look, you know my rule, Rob. Still waters run deep. I don't pick against against the Pokes getting points at home. I'm taking Oklahoma State. Especially coming off that loss. Like, yeah, they're going to be fired up. And Texas struggling the way they struggle with a not great Iowa State team. Um, I think the, the kind of the issue with the Pokes is they don't have a – a guy on that offense they can truly lean yeah, on. Yeah, they don't. And and defensively, they, they, they lack kind of that absolute dog uh, that they had in Malcolm Rodriguez. Yeah. But they still have a pretty good pass rush that goes pretty deep. Um, if they can get after Quinn Ewers, and that, that offensive line of Texas is so freaking young. Yeah. They can get after Quinn Ewers, and I, I, we're not saying a win, just a cover. I just don't think Texas is the type of team to blow out Oklahoma State at home. Agreed. I think Texas is the better team. Um, more talented, for sure. Yeah, more talented. But it's a tough environment. Stillwater is always underrated for being a tough environment. Um, yeah, I just again, to cover six, I'll take them. Okay, last game for me, 7 p.m. ESPN. You yeah, we matched up. Look at that. Look at that. Fuck, do I have all the same picks as you? That's no, no, I took Q's. I took Q's. Okay, cool. So I can go for five and oh, and you can go four and one. Yeah. Um, assuming you took Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Seven p.m. ESPN. Number twenty-four Mississippi State at number six Alabama. I don't know if Mississippi State's ranked. If they're not in the SEC, I'll say it. One hundred percent. I don't like. I I don't know. The air raid's fun. Mike Leach is a character. Will Rogers puts up numbers. Um, they just did not look very good against Kentucky. Um, and defensively, they they seem prone to giving up big passing plays. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes had an insane pick six. I'm still not over, and he's going to be a heck of an NFL player, I think. Um, but if they can't keep up with – like, they're, they're not going to get after Brace Young, I don't think. And – Defensively, I, I feel like Nick Saban's just got the got got the dogs coming after that. Uh, Mississippi State's going to a fucking buzzsaw. If, if Al- like Mississippi State <laughs> wishes Tennessee beat them, beat Alabama or sorry, Bama beat, won. Alabama beat Absolutely, yeah. yeah. If if honestly, if Bama doesn't cover this, it, the Saban era is over. Like I'm not saying he's getting fired. It's just it's not the same anymore. 
Because any other year, Mississippi State walking into this game. And lose like 56 that, Yeah, that's the score. You know, 49 to fucking 14 at best. You know, like this is this is a blowout. This is a, the lock of the week. And if it's not, don't put Bam in the playoffs. In my opinion, they don't deserve it. Like, you know, it's going to be the same SEC fucking rigging. As every year where they, you know, oh, Georgia loses to Bama, so they can both. No, if they don't cover this one, don't put it in the playoffs, but they're going to cover it, and it's, it's the lock of the week. God, I would kill to be a fly in the wall during a conversation between Nick Saban and Mike Leach. 